Hello, I'm Edu Manzano, and this is Clockwork, a podcast examining the gears that make our businesses tick, powered by Globe Studios. In a few minutes, we will all get a chance to hear from one of the country's most respected and influential CEOs, the person in charge of telecommunications giant, Globe Telecom. You know, I think every Filipino knows about the company he helms, but not many truly get the chance to pick his brains and get to know the man behind the team that has made it possible for us to reinvent our world. Friends, please welcome Mr. Ernest Koo. Thank you, Edu. Um, it's a pleasure to be here with you. I heard, you know, from more than just a, a few people that your day is so structured. It's like uh, you start off very early, you actually work out almost every day, and then you get yourself primed for work. I actually bike. I was fortunate enough to be able to bring a peloton uh, home to Manila. So I do 30 minutes on the bike. Uh, that's the first thing I do in the morning um, before having coffee. You know, because if not, Tata Marin. So before I even think about it, you're dressed up, you know, with your biking shoes on and on the bike and do your 30 minutes for sweating and, and that's it. Breakfast table after that. And and depends on the time. I sometimes even start my meetings on the breakfast table. <laughs> Okay, there are a lot of stereotypes about CEOs. Which stereotype about you being a CEO is debunkable? That uh, we're very serious people, that we're all business. We spend all our life uh, working. But the reality is I try to mix a lot of fun uh, into my work and a lot of variety uh, to break up the day. Doing some cooking in the middle of the day, you know, I, I'll have um, a secret the other day. There was a pretty large and long lengthy presentation, I decided, hey, you know, I haven't done this before. I'm going to try doing it from the kitchen. <laughs> did they? No, did they, they didn't notice it because I was, I know, the camera was off, but, but I was participating, you know, while... Uh, <laughs> while cooking. <laughs> yeah. Okay, what was yeah. the meal of the day? What was the meal of the day? No, I was doing a um, ragu, actually combination of pork, lamb, and beef on the ragu with uh, some, some marzano tomatoes. Yeah, interesting to know about that. No, uh, you know, people already more or less know about you or of you from a business standpoint. Of course, the personal standpoint is also very, very important. What do you prefer, sports outfit, business outfit? I'm, I'm more casual, um, even before the pandemic. Um, kind of started to dress down more and more as the trend started to take hold. Um, you know, you used, used to wear at least a long sleeve shirt uh, evolved into just t-shirts and, and sneakers and, and jeans into to the workplace. Are you a coffee or tea uh, man? I'm a coffee guy I, in the morning, uh, but in the afternoon I'm I'm uh, I'm partial to Chinese tea, which I just made before we got on air. What is your most used app? I probably have to say it's WhatsApp <laughs> for now. Our security guys may not like it because they insist on using uh, or new things now like workplace chat and stuff. But that's where my, most of my contacts are and that's where I spend most of my time communicating with friends, family and business associates. Uh, probably second would be Instagram, catching up on, on stuff and Twitter to pick up on news. I, that's my main news, news thing is Twitter. You know, I, I honestly heard that you actually, you yourself actually engage all your texts, all your emails. I mean, you can be counted on to answer uh, right away. Yes, um, and because I do that, I also expect that of my colleagues. 
uh, they need to answer me within a few hours, if not minutes, <laughs> preferably a minute <laughs> before I get impatient. Uh, because, you know, one of the things that I I try to do as a sort of a hack is, um, you know, I, I, I if I don't answer you now, I'll forget that, you know, because there's so many things hitting you at one time during the day, varied topics, you know, push, you know, pull you this direction and that direction. If you don't deal with an issue right there and then you forget about it, um, you know. So uh, if I don't have to write it down anymore, I just answer it right there. We finish the whole thing up and move on to the next. Right? Have you ever figured out how many calls you have in a day or how many meetings you have in a day? I don't usually do a lot of, well, well Zoom is a call, right? So <laughs> I guess, you know, it's, it's, it's part of that now. Um, but um, I would say six to eight, you know. Um, that would be the average. That's up to six o'clock typically, right? And then uh, after nine o'clock, I still have a few calls uh, I make. If I and I'm, I'm, I'm like the other the last week was kind of horrible. I, I had two nights I worked until midnight, nine to midnight, because I'm I have a board commitment in New York that I had to fulfill. After dinner, um, I I usually take care of my own investments, sp speaking to partners, speaking to my daughter who is also my business partner. And, you know, that's the time I have for my own business. So you got to maximize all waking hours, I guess, you know, because the, the full-time job takes most of the, uh, uh, the day, right? From some of the people we've spoken to, they say you're a tough boss, but you treat them as your equal. You've set the bar kind of high and you expect them to uh, raise their performance to that level. That's true. Maybe it's high expectations. It's high expectations because I, you know, my style is one of uh, empowering um, people and ensuring that they have all the resources by which they can accomplish the agreed upon objectives, you know, um, or, you know, the tasks. And, um, but I'm also removing all the excuses to success, all the excuses to execution. Right? You tell me you need this, I'll give it to you. What else do you need? You know, I need a, this other one. Okay, fine. Whether it be capital, whether it be contacts, whether it be a network of people. And then, okay, that you've got everything you need. Let's just go, right? As agreed. And I'm expecting to see deliverables one, two, and three as you planned and as you you promised. And, and um, no surprises. If there's problems, come back to me. But you're not the type to constantly look over their shoulders, no? I mean, you provide them a little bit of latitude and longitude to accomplish the given task no that that's correct because I, I i i hate looking over people's shoulder in fact i'm the type of boss that you know if things are going well and it's agreed i don't even need the details give me the headlines and we can move on i don't even need a fancy presentation you send me a whatsapp and saying boss we're on track he agreed you know we agreed we're gonna hit this this kind of let's say uh, multi-active users on the app, you know, we're there. That's, you know, this is what I need from me this next round, okay? And so I, okay, fine, how are we gonna get there? You know, what, are, what else do we need? And then, you know, I try to keep it informal most of the time, but you know, in Globe, uh, I think sometimes though we do have uh, masters in PowerPoint and, you know, a PhD in presentations, you know? Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> uh, we, we try to, as much as you try to avoid it, you can't at, at times, no? Um, people still, you know, believe that that's their best way of communicating with you. Everybody looks up to you, they realize how, but you, I'm sure you went through your own challenges and obstacles on your way to the top. Yeah, I mean, uh, we're just talking about it recently with my daughter who just finished college at, in, in, in Chicago. You know, when I finished my MBA uh, in uh, 84, uh, I actually couldn't find a job. 
Edu, uh, believe it or not, you know, because you know, I was a Filipino student. That was the, I think it was martial law, right? Before people power, you couldn't, you couldn't come home because you know things were shot in the Philippines in terms of economy. Uh, and I decided to stay in the U.S., but you know, I had no visa at that time, uh, and companies were not yet, you know, that well versed about you know hiring foreigners. So it took me a while actually to find a position after my MBA, and I, and I graduated from a pretty decent school, Northwestern Kellogg's. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it was very, very difficult and frustrating, and you know you had to really pick yourself up because of the number of rejection letters you were getting in the mail every day, you know. And uh, at that time, the hottest jobs were investment banking and consulting, even accounting and banking, which today are kind of so-so jobs, right? Everybody wants to be in tech these days. You know, but it was very, very difficult until um, I got my break and um, a, a major bank hired me uh, to move to California from Illinois. And, and I guess that started me off on, on, my, on my, my, my first set of challenges that I overcome. Uh, the second thing that people also don't know uh, was that I've had a major failure in my career as well. You know, I started a business after some corporate um, um, jobs, you know, um, in that was 19... 92 i think uh, i'm sorry in 86 i started a business and it did very well until 1992 when the recession in the u.s hit and uh, the business was hit very badly and i had to shut everything down and and sell at a loss and and actually lost a lot of money and start all over again uh, so basically restarted my career uh, around 92 93 you know so lost all that time you know, uh, but gained a lot of experience and gained a lot of um insight into um, buying selling businesses into you know being attuned about the environment and business and when when to trigger uh, certain moves in business is this the time that you chose to come back home to the philippines um, not yet actually i i was able to find another position um in a company that was at that time it was digital printing it was the it was this was the industry after a couple of years asked me to become ceo of that company um, and I actually turned it down <laughs> in, in favor of an opportunity in the Philippines to lead a company called SPI. SPI is the you know forefront, the, the sunrise of the BPO industry. I had the opportunity to build SPI into um, a company. I think when I left, it was like 15,000 people. That early in time, you already saw the growth potential of how yes. technology would make it easier and more, oh, I would say, more effective in terms of conducting business. That's right. With the connectivity and the development of connectivity, the development of the internet, uh, we could move jobs, right, uh, from the U.S. Uh, to the Philippines. You know, we were not doing calls yet. That came later in my career. I started with SPI in 97. Um, we were doing keyboarding, keying work, textual work. And, uh, you know, we were, that was the non-voice side of the business. Around 1999, I had the opportunity to partner up with two individuals to start what was the first outsourced call center in the Philippines that catered to U.S. primarily. It was called eTelecare. I was the founding chairman. And we raised money for it. We built the business. At that time, people didn't even understand what a call center was. They thought it was a place to make long-distance phone calls. The rest is history, I guess, with, with call centers being so ubiquitous in the Philippines now and employs over a million people. So I'm glad to be part of that birth of that industry uh, in the late 90s. I think uh, we can't uh, set aside the impact. I understand that your parents have played in your life. Your father was an idea man. You know, he, uh, he always was looking towards the future. What's the next big thing? 
But then your mother was the one who kind of put things into perspective in terms of organization. That's actually true. Uh, my father was an entrepreneur. Um, he started off with a gas station business uh, and quickly evolved to seeing the trend in air conditioning in the Philippines and went into automotive air conditioning. And my mother was the fiscalizer. Um, she managed <laughs> the finances. Uh, and I think capably as well, uh, because she was able to send me to school in the U.S., right? Uh, yeah. On her scholarship. Um, and uh, even subsidized part of my living because I, I got married right before I went to the U.S. And, and so, yeah, so I think I, there was some foundation built there on, on being entrepreneurs and being business people. And I think that's something I've taken to... Um, kind of a blend, because no? I'm basically in a corporate environment, but still applying a lot of entrepreneurial uh, principles you know, to, to build businesses um, over the years. You know, in my home, my dad talked the most. My mom talked the least, but was the boss. I mean, in your home, who was the tough guy, your mom or your dad? I, I think it's the same. She who holds the money, I think, is the boss. <laughs> right? <laughs> yep, to this day. That is true. <laughs> Mr. Ko, you seem very, very close to your family. I'm sure your work keeps you busy on most days. But when you do have time to spend together, uh, what are your favorite activities? Of late, you know, the pandemic has really shifted a lot of behavior, uh, even within families. Uh, it used to be we hardly saw our kids, my wife and I have a lot of socials to attend, dinners with friends, travel particularly. I think I travel almost every two weeks or so. Uh, but lately, you know, we've been home. Uh, so what we look forward to, we just had it last night, actually, was the family dinner, you know, where we come together here at home um, about 7, 7.30. Uh, we, we have a theme for the dinner. Um, you know, one of our favorite nights is actually making pizza. People get different versions. We open up some nice bottles of Italian wine and uh, make it a good evening. And then, you know, sometimes we, the kids move off to different corners. Some of them are making, you know, completing a puzzle. You can tell, right, it's really different. Uh, or uh, we do play mahjong, or some people will play <laughs> some other board games. Up to 10, 30, 11, we all, we all uh, part ways. They, they all live in the same um, vicinity here in Rockwell. The few times we have seen each other in socials, your wife Arlene is always with you. You know, I think it's amazing. You know, um, she's also very engaging. She's very, very nice. Um, I can see now that uh, family is very, very important to you. Uh, do they still continue to influence you to this day? Yeah, I think they, they quite a bit, no? Uh, a lot of our plans about our lives and even um, how uh, we plan for the future centered upon uh, helping the kids out and making sure their families succeed. and. Uh, even again, a shift happened uh, last May uh, for us. We had our first grandchild, uh, Parker, uh, Martin's son. And so, you know, that, that too has changed about how, how things are are moving, going to the future, right? Even designing uh, a new place that, that we're moving to, hopefully by the end of the year. And that considers, you know, the, the kids, the grandkids, you know. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I could say definitely they get involved in our lives. What's the best advice you gave your children about pursuing their dreams? Well, for me, like it starts off with their college education. Um, I, I, we didn't really help or, or really push them towards a particular degree. Because at the end of the day, I think what, what they study there in university is not what they're going to do at the end, right? My son is an English major. 
Uh, and today he runs um, and is the CEO of the Philippine operations of a large logistics outfit called Ninja Van. Um, my daughter uh, was in communications and today um, she and her fiance uh, operate uh, our, our hydroponic farm, indoor hydroponic farm. I told them, learn how to network. This is very important. Uh, learn how to learn, even more important. Learn to be flexible, learn to speak, learn to learn, right? And learn to absorb. And you can do anything after that, right? And you can just find any career. You, you gotta have passion, you gotta be, have a purpose. Uh, that's probably will come a bit later, like it did for me. Um, and then, you know, once that, that the, all the things come and tie together, I think you'll make a very successful career out of it. Globe supports a lot of the MSMEs. You know, a lot of people out there have opted to go on their own now that maybe many of them have been displaced because of the pandemic. And some of them are finding it now even more difficult than they imagined because of the many limitations imposed again once more by the pandemic. So yeah, so you're right about the SMEs. Um, they're the backbone of the nation, yet they're the most affected segment of our, of our business community right now. Look, the timing, you got to be pragmatic about it. You know, you got to look at it objectively, you know, that sort of thing. You got to look, do things that, um, you know, in a way that can scale. And if a small business shouldn't remain small, you know, because yeah. when small business remains small, it's very difficult for the entrepreneur, right? I mean, you know, I see a lot of people today doing online business and I see them struggling as they suddenly their business takes off. I was speaking to a, uh, one of my friends who has a, you know, home business that, that does, you know, she sells food. And she's extremely successful and she was lamenting to me how difficult life is. But it's because she didn't set up properly. She was doing everything on the cheap when her yeah. revenues were growing. And if you don't invest in the business, you're going to die. Now I'm going to ask you, how do you encourage other people to embrace success? Well, I, at Globe, successes are celebrated based on milestones. I remember when we hit a certain revenue milestone in our prepaid business, we, we, we hosted a simple lunch for people and cheer on um, to just to get them encouraged. I remember when Gcash hit uh, a million <laughs> users, that was a big deal. It has 40 million today, you know, uh, you know, sort of like, I think if you celebrate the small wins, uh, they'll come uh, and, you know, build the momentum towards much larger wins in the future. Because if employees aren't happy, it's hard to be a very customer-oriented company. Sometimes you feel like you're a politician when you have to go to different parts of the country, talking to different people, going out uh, to the sell sites to talk to the engineers on why, why their job matters to the consumer and how they all contribute to the net effect on the consumer. Right. And so it, it, it worked. Um, you know, we, we had, you know, very strong years. Um, you know, uh, leading up to the pandemic uh, of, of growth and momentum. Um, it's a bit more difficult now with the pandemic, but hopefully we'll get back. Well, it did, in fact, reinvent the world of many people here in the Philippines. Uh, we certainly hope so, uh, because, you know, we do believe that those are one of the uh, key transformations we can bring about into Filipino society, right? When Globe was founded uh, back in the 90s, the first you know, set of transformation we enabled was one of connecting people together. The second was when uh, data came about. Data opened up the internet uh, to a wider segment of the population. With information comes wealth, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. People transform their lives. And the third is financial inclusion. You know, 
when uh, we can bring about financial inclusion to the public and we can do it uh, with GCash at scale. You know, when, you know, uh, it used to be you had to go to a bank branch, you had to submit so many IDs, then they, you know, fill out, you know, gazillion forms and so on and so forth. In GCash, in five minutes, you're on, you're on, you're on, you're in, you're included. included. And as you use it more, you get included even more, right? And as you use it even more, you get the financial identity because we have a credit score. And that credit score will become valuable one day when it becomes the de facto standard for saying, should I lend Edu some money? Let's look at his G score. Oh, he's a 650. Yeah, yeah he's a good risk. Yeah. You can give him a lower interest rate because okay. his Gcash habits are fine. He pays his bills on time. He pays them regularly. He puts money in regularly, you know, and so on and so forth, right? So, so that I think is a great way of saying uh, creating transformation, but also serving a purpose, right? The purpose of, you know, bringing people into the world of financial inclusion. Right? Well, for those who want to uh, invest or find jobs, I hope you don't mind me picking your brain some more. Which industries do you feel are more stable now? Or what would you call or could you call hot sectors? If you're a business, I would look at and, you know, uh, understand how the consumer habits have shifted during this pandemic. They have yeah. permanently shifted. You know, how do you how do you empower the consumer in this world of uh, remote world that we live in, in the virtual world that we live in, right? Whether it be entertainment, whether it be selling and buying, buying and selling, uh, whether it be in deliveries. Uh, there's many huh? uh, that we that you know, GCash itself was looking at different things. We now do insurance. We now do investments things that you used to need to go to an office and see a professional for, we brought it down to the level uh, of the average Filipino. I think 2021 is still going to be a very difficult year uh, for all businesses. You know, if you want to succeed coming out of this, you got to pre be prepared uh, coming out. Uh, you rightfully said Gcash was prepared going in, right? Into, the, into the serving the new habit. You got to predict what the new habit is. And then you've got to be setting up your business for what you think that habit is going to become and evolve to in 2022, right? We at Globe are already trying to figure out as much as we can on various different sectors, right? We're looking at um, e-commerce um, in a different way. We're looking at health, um, looking at media. So certain things that where the habits have really evolved um, and catering to that, you know, there's still a lot of opportunity. As they say in a crisis, don't waste a good crisis. You know, some <laughs> business will always be born out of this crisis and will be big. Before we uh, we end the show, I'd like to ask you for uh, a message or something that we can uh, give to those who consider you a mentor. I look for businesses that truly solve problems because sometimes you know people do things for the technology for technology's sake, right? Or a, a, a phrase I always like to ask, or a question I always ask, is that a solution looking for a problem? It shouldn't be, <laughs> right? Because there's a lot of businesses that, you know, they do it, but they don't know who, what they're serving. Right. Um, so, you know, go, so, so entrepreneurs don't get disheartened. And at times, what you start out doing won't be what you end up with as a business, right? And just, just keep pivoting. Keep your eye on that customer and that consumer, track him down, and then eventually you'll hit the mark. Well, thank you very much, Mr. Ernest Ku. Thanks for your time and uh, we wish you continued success. Thanks for the opportunity as well.
Okay, friends, there you have it, Mr. Ernest Koo, President and CEO of Globe Telecom. So this has been Edu Manzano. Join us next time for another episode of Clockwork, powered by Globe Studios.